0: Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today we're catching up with Cub member Nick Riley. Nick is the founder and CEO of Innovate. Uh, Innovate is a financial planning firm that focuses on serving everyday Australians, ensuring that not just the rich, have a proper financial plan that everyday Aussies do too. Nick is one of my best friends that I've met through Cub. He was one of our founding members in Melbourne. So he's one of the longest members we've ever had uh, here in Melbourne. And we had a brilliant conversation. We spoke about how tough times build resilience for not just you, the leader, but also for the team. He shared with me how he's built an incredible referral partnership program and gave me some great insights in how to do that. Uh, And we spoke about the difficulties in delegation as your company grows and and how hard that is for the entrepreneur. Uh, It was a fantastic episode. It's the first Melbourne episode we've ever recorded. So I hope you enjoy the show. Live. You clap differently in Melbourne, Laura. <laughs> Whenever we start the podcast, Laura claps, and that's like, okay, we're live. And Laura just—we're in Melbourne for the first time, and I'm already a bit thrown off my game because I'm in a different room, in a different clubhouse, in a different city. And Laura decides to clap differently in Melbourne too. So we are live. It's a solid clap, so, though. I like a solid clap. <laughs> like, you know, like a, a nice hearty when it cups. <laughs> a nice hearty clap, and uh, the. Very handsome man next to me is thank my you. good friend and one of the first ever Cub Melbourne members and the first ever Melbourne member to ever be on the podcast, Mr. Nick Riley. How are you, sir?
1: Very well, thank you, and thanks for having me. I've been uh, waiting for this for a while. I know. We've had it scheduled yeah. in for a while.
0: Well, you're, you're the first Melbourne member ever. We've got the most brilliant community of entrepreneurs here in Melbourne, and um, due to COVID, I was never able to 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 get to get down here. But, uh, mate, it. why don't you um, – why don't you share with us a little bit uh, about, uh, innovate yep. and kind of, uh, give us a bit of, give us a bit of insight into your business.
1: Uh, okay. So well, we're a financial service provider. Um, and when I say financial services, um, mortgage broking, financial planning, uh, asset finance, car finance. Um, so for who? For everyday Australians. That's what, that's what we yep. say. So, um, Particularly in financial planning, there's a misconception that only the wealthy need a financial planner. Um, you know, what do I what do I do with my money if I don't know, if I don't have anywhere else for it to go? So I guess our our idea is that that everyone needs a financial planner. Everyone needs to know what journey they're on and where they're going. So you know, we try and make it affordable for everyday Australians um, because they're generally who need it the most, mm. uh, mums and dads. And so, so you're, you're helping everyday Aussies get car finance, mortgage, uh, mortgages. Yep.
0: It, it basically is essential life needs. And, and how long is the company? You've been around for a while now, no?
1: 2007. I started. Oh, 13, business. 14 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 14 Jeez. years now.
0: Yeah. yeah. Doesn't that, that would fly.
1: Uh, it has. Yeah. It feels maybe like five or six years ago. Wow. To be honest. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, we've been through a lot of different phases, I guess. And, um, you know, we've, we've been through a fairly significant growth phase the last three, three years. So it feels like a completely different business now to what it was. I can imagine that because Cub seems
0: to completely evolve every year. Yeah. I can, I can imagine after 14 years having, looking back and actually I was telling the team, I came into the Melbourne, this is the first time I've been in the Melbourne clubhouse Mm. uh, in about a year remember this time last year I went to Israel and then I, I yeah. came back to yeah, yeah, yeah. to to Melbourne I was about, yeah, yeah I was doing a a bit of a camp yeah. and um and um I walked into the clubhouse yesterday and it brought me back it was a bit of like a I don't know if nostalgic is the right word but like I felt like a bit emotional like um it, it reminded me because the hardest I've ever worked and the was at in Melbourne because also don't forget I was living away from my family I was you know I was Doing serious hours, and I walked in, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like, it just brought back all those kind of memories, and I can imagine you looking back over fourteen years being like, "Yeah,
1: definitely." Well, you know, well, in in regards to your story, Cub would have been Cub Melbourne would have been big for you, right? Because Mm. the Sydney market, you've got network, you knew people, and then you've come to Melbourne, so it would have been a really big achievement not just to open this place, but to make it successful. So,
0: well, that's a really interesting topic, though, because I think expanding, and I know growth is one thing we want to talk about later on, but expanding into new markets is so difficult because you don't know anyone. You don't know who to hire. Yep. You've got no, like, kind of friends of friends. You yep. you can't get the word out because no one's talking about you. Mm. Um, it's incredibly hard. That's why I reckon that um, so many members will, like, having the two clubs is beneficial because when they want to go to a new city, or, for example, when Brisbane um, launches later this year, and, um, you know, imagine you can fly to Brisbane and you've already got a network of people there who you can get involved with, you can build relationships with, they can connect you to the right people. Mm. Ha- having a network in different states is is super important.
1: It's huge. We've expanded in Brisbane. So we've been in Brisbane for two years now, maybe a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's been slow, but it's so slowly starting to get traction. So I think the fact that you're moving to different states is huge yeah, and, it's important. um, as a member, it's it's yeah, wholly valuable. And uh, do you remember you were at the first ever
0: um, Cub Melbourne event? Do you remember that one? The very first one ever. It was before Call,
1: which is our. All of the first ones energy. were really big, so I have a vague memory of most of the first ones.
0: It was it was it because was you,
1: Jason, Honda. It, actually,
0: after it, we all ended up at Louis Bar having a celebratory drink.
1: I do remember that. Yeah. That was yeah. That was the first the whole, ever, s- whole staff were there actually. Everyone, we brought everyone. It was a big celebration. I get that night confused with um, the night we went to Jasper's jazz bar. Oh, that, that wasn't. The f- <laughs> I can understand why you'd get them confused there. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good night.
0: And so, why don't you run us through? So you, you, you've been in business fourteen years now. Yeah. What makes uh, you, you're in the finance game, financial advisory? What I guess makes you different? I love the fact that you focus on the the, um, you know, everyday Aussies. Yeah. Um, but w- I guess w- what, what do you guys focus on? What's different about you guys than other financial companies? And um,
1: like that? I guess almost probably just our size to be honest. So, so we have a, um, a business that's very unique, um, in our industry and mainly in regards to the finance business. So a typical finance business, and this is setting aside financial planning at the moment, but a, a typical finance business, you'll have a finance person with maybe three or four people underneath them that support them and they do loans and, and, and whatnot. Our business is very much set up uh, for brokers to come in and have their business within our business. And that's what's accelerated our growth. So as much as we have a uh, really good offering to our clients, we have a probably even better offering to brokers that want a better business um, that's going to help them um, accelerate their careers. And that's that's what's really changed the game for us as far as – going from a, a small business to almost a, a medium-sized business. And that's because
0: – and also that would benefit the client anyway because they're dealing with someone that has a sense of ownership over their work.
1: Well, our, our, our theory is um, brokers are our clients and if we get that piece right, then the consumer will get the right service or get the service that they deserve. That's so, really cool. And does, yeah. do you think
0: that approach has resulted in you having an accelerated growth pattern?
1: Without a doubt, yeah. Did because you do that at the start? No, that was – that, that was the shift sort of three to four years ago. Um, at the start, we were like any other business, you know, writing loans or giving financial advice, whatever it might have been, and then having some support staff un- underneath us. And then we got to a point and a lot of offshoring businesses will do this. or a, a lot of businesses will do this when they offshore and go, geez, how good's our offering? Let's start now offering offshore. So for us, I guess we, we, we realised how good we were at what we did as in supporting a broker. Um, and let's do this on mass now and let's, let's make that our focus and then and, consumers will follow. And would you say that was the, I guess, most pivotal
0: pivotal moment in your business?
1: Definitely. Yeah. And that was yeah, three. Well, one of two. Um, the first one was one of a few, but the first one was probably diversifying into another revenue stream. Um, and then the next one was, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, were our clients here and um the way we determined that was where was the most noise and most of the noise was from the brokers that we were dealing with or uh, that we had in our business around the the service that we were providing them we actually got more noise there than clients what do you mean by noise um you know maybe you could do this better maybe we should try this maybe if you could change this up so what kind of like most feedback or thoughts? yeah well we'll like staff but staff uh you know the hardest staff to control are sales people as you would probably know so bunch of whack jobs <laughs> they generally make the most noise so so we said look if we get this right we can grow quicker and then if we ha- if we deliver a great service to our brokers then they will in turn deliver a great service to consumers and that's that's really well, what's, what's interesting about things. that
0: though is that that happened uh, the the, the um, changing your model in terms of focusing on the brokers mm. that happened only 3 years ago which means that you're running a successful business for mm. eleven years, or ten mm. to ten to eleven years, mm. before finding that kind of key change, which has obviously put you in a great upwards trajectory. And a lot of, you know, a lot of um, yeah, it's something that I think is just important for business people, or for entrepreneurs, to remember is like uh, shit doesn't happen that quick. Sometimes it just takes time to. Yeah. To, to discover things and, and time like, just stay alive, <laughs> be yeah. profitable yeah. and
1: enjoy what you do because over time you'll keep getting better. You'll keep unlocking the next door. You keep learning, mate. Right. So, so, so for me, it was, you just learn, you learn everything as a small business owner. Um, and we, we, we had a, we had trajectory. We were always going up, but just at a small rate, you know, mm. like most small businesses. Um, but as soon as we worked out that, that, that change we needed to make, that was scalable. So, and that's what changed the game. So for us, providing a service to a broker is far more scalable than one or two of the business owners trying to provide a, provide a service to a mm-hmm. consumer. Mm-hmm. That's not scalable. So um, once we found something that was scalable for our business, then things have taken off. And uh, just give us an idea of,
0: uh, of the business itself now. So you're in Melbourne. Do you have a presence in New South Wales?
1: Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, so we're focusing on the the Hunter Valley. So we have a... We just think it's a big growth corridor. So yeah. it's very difficult to break in the Sydney market. So we think um, the research we've done on Newcastle, the Hunter, um, Gosford, Central Coast, we think we can make a difference there. So um, we've branched into that area and also Brisbane. Same thing. We think we can make a difference there and actually have an impact. Amazing. Yeah. So so
0: you, you really have – you're really kind of spreading your arms around Australia. But, again, you didn't do it too fast. No. You know, you, you did it – at the right pace. And that's something that I've, um, kind of taken on board recently. It's it's more important to do things when it's the right time rather than, yeah, uh, rather than uh, for just for
1: the sake of it. Yeah. And I think as you obviously, as you go along your business journey, you become smarter and you know how to calculate risks, you know, and that's, that's one of the big things I think I've learned is, whilst the Hunter Valley was a risk and whilst Brisbane was a risk, it was a calculated risk for us. Like we knew what the investment uh, was going to be. Uh, We knew that we could recover if it didn't work. Um, You know, we we had a plan there. So we we had referral partners there already who were going to support us. So – um, you just learn, you learn your business, you learn your cash flows inside out and you know what risks you can take. You and, know.
0: and did you always want to be a business owner or what's your, how always. do you think you got, or you did always want to? Oh,
1: actually, work. no, I'll go back. I wanted to be a lawyer for some reason. I got no idea why. <laughs> really? Um, and then, then I did accounting at uni and just despised it, hated it. Um, so I did that for a year and then, and and then moved on, but I was always doing something you're, I told you I used to you, wash mum's car. For yeah, like what would you two bucks, how, what was your off.
0: career before uh,
1: innovate? Um, so moving, well, when I was always washing cars and stuff when I was a kid, yeah. pumping petrol. But moving to Melbourne, um, I did twelve months of uni full time and uh, just worked in bars and, w- and was a bus boy. And then I actually fell into a. I, I didn't like uni. I didn't like the uni life. Um, I didn't like the lack of structure. I needed structure, you know, the 12 hours a, a week, I think it was, the contact hours. You know, who's going who's gonna to really work hard when you've got 12 hours of, um, of contact a week? So I did uni for 12 months and then fell into a, a, an administration role in a mortgage-broking business. And then within 18 months or two years, I was, I was selling. Um, and then – And was, I, read, I read that the business you're at uh, went bankrupt – they did, yeah. So I think I was there for five years or up, maybe two years as a mortgage broker. Uh, they went bankrupt, so I had no job, but I also had a lot of clients and a lot of referral partners who no longer had a business to refer to. So for me, it was, actually, I've got a ready-made business here. I just need to have a crack and do it. Like the, Looking back now, I didn't know this, um, but when I look back, I think, well, I already had a business or there wasn't that big a risk. I just had to keep servicing the referral partners and the clients. Back then I didn't, I wasn't thinking that way. What's well, also quite interesting because you've obviously t- taken that approach to
0: your own business. And with your knowledge of that and experience of that, you've got brokers that, Hey, this is now your business and you're treating it. You're treating it like you um, yeah. kind of discovered you could have been, yeah. uh, could have done. And and really your business you're working at falling over was a blessing uh, in disguise. Well, you losing your job? Essentially it was a blessing yeah. in disguise because you're like, fuck it.
1: Going to yep. go out on my own, do, yep. do my own thing. And you said you moved to Melbourne. Yep. W- w- where are you from? Um, regional New South Wales. So everyone assumes I'm from Melbourne. Yeah. I think so. I wear a suit. Everyone yep. just assumes. You look like that. a city boy, too. Nah, no, no. Um, so I grew, grew up in a small town in the Riverina. Um, population is 5,000 people. Jeez. And declining, I think. And declining. <laughs> um, so yeah. The population of cows is 6,000. Yeah. 6, so I was there till I was 17 or 18, I think. And yeah, then, then made to move, to move to Melbourne. And what about your parents? What were they always doing? Were they farmers? Were they? Uh, we've got a hobby farm, um, but they were just, they're they just workers. Um, yep. Yeah. My, my my stepdad, who I grew up with, he's got a, a like a trucking business now where they, um, like a like a water truck business. Mm-hmm. Um, but so was business
0: kind of always in your family or no? It was something no, that you've kind of spearheaded yourself.
1: No, not at all. Um, I think I'm the first... In our family, amongst even the cousins, uh, to 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 go to uni. So wow, um, yeah. Don't ask me why. Bit but, of a trailblazer. Well, yeah, something like that. And
0: yeah. uh, and and um, uh, in your time, I guess. I mean, see, you're in a really, really cool. You're a very cool person because oh, because <laughs> Laura's laughing, <laughs> but he is because it, it's very hard to be the first person to forge a, a new path, a, a kind of a new path in a, in your family or in wh- wherever you're from, because you don't have this, you, you're the person learning all the lessons along the way. Yep. And, and that's difficult because also uh, particularly growing up in a fucking 6,000 cow country town. Yeah. Um, you it's, it probably wasn't that visible entrepreneurship and things to you at um, all stages. Was,
1: was it? Right? No, I, I, I fell into it. Like, I. Just trying to remember, I had visions. I, I mentioned being a lawyer, of being like a hotshot lawyer. So, mm. whether I watched something or whatnot, um, and that was before suits came out. So, that yeah, you know. way before suits yeah. came <laughs> out. Um, so for me, it was I wanted to do law and I wanted to go to the city and I wanted to earn a lot of money. Mm. That's that. That's where it started. And I think I think business, um, even though I didn't like accounting, uh, accounting definitely helped me with business. Um, and I think yeah, it just. Going into um, into your own business at 25, I've just really that's how old it. you were when you started. Yeah, I was 25. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. See, that's yeah. that's very young. Yeah? Country boy, not from business background, breaks out, <laughs> moves to the big city. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, second biggest city. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Melbourne's Melbourne's like a big country town. Yeah. Yeah. It's very a, a whole of Australia, I is. think.
0: But, but um, that, that see that's that's just really really incredible. And of all the things and all the, I mean the entrepreneurial journey is no easy one Mm. and you've been on it for 14 years. Of all the things, what would you say was the kind of worst thing to ever happen to you or the the biggest issue you've ever had
1: uh, throughout your journey? Um, Probably, uh, definitely the GFC. Like looking at it now, it was a blessing in disguise and and we spoke about this earlier, but um, we started the business in 07. So we started the business, GFC hit. Um, Was I – Look, it wasn't a big stress for me at the time. I, again, I was 25. So I knew that if it didn't work, I had plenty of time to sort my shit out and go and get a job. So, but looking at the impact on the business, it it, it was quite big. Um, you know, there was limited access to credit when you're doing loans, that's a problem. Um, credit was expensive when you're doing loans, that's a problem. Um, so so that was a really difficult year. And, you know, I, I do remember back to starting the business and every business would, Um, would remember this stuff. But, you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, you're putting the the ATO off because you've got to pay staff and and whatnot. So GFC was definitely the hardest. Um, But looking back now, it it, it definitely – it was a blessing in disguise, particularly given what's just happened. Why was it a blessing? What did you gain from that? Just just resilience and and understanding that there's always a way out, you know. Um, So – Having that happen at such an early stage and then coming out of that a better business because, you know, the GFC um, caused market contraction. So there was competitors that didn't exist after the GFC. Um, so, you know, how you look at COVID now and I was just never concerned because I knew we'd be okay. Mm. Uh, I, I was concerned um, about people in the business as in, you know, what if we have to –
0: what if we have people? to scale
1: down or, or whatnot? But I was never concerned about the, the the welfare of the business. You know, we'll we'll be okay and this will sort itself out. It just might look a little bit different. Yeah, uh, that's uh, very
0: interesting. Do you think that um that is the great benefit? Because I, I still haven't decided yet if starting a business very young is the right move, or if waiting, you know, maybe till you're 30, 31. Is the way to go, and obviously I did. I did the the young path, but mm. but I, I'm still undecided on that. But but you just brought up a really cool point, which was that well, the benefit of starting when you're young is that you can fail and it not matter. And really, in business, that's that's probably the most important thing you could you could ever have the 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 ability and freedom to to experiment and learn without the cost without a heavy cost of fail, failure
1: Yeah, and, and less responsibilities and you know um people say to me oh geez that was brave at 25 and i was like well, what yeah,
0: brave why all yeah, i had I, to do
1: was feed myself yeah. i like i didn't have any any other responsibilities i had you know no debts although i created some debts to get into business but it wasn't you know i wasn't I didn't have three 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 kids i have to, uh, i had to feed so i think the ladies now None. Okay. <laughs> None. I still don't. <laughs> but I. But I have responsibilities. <laughs> Are you married? <laughs> I'm married. Yeah, and kids. And kids will come soon. So, but it's the longer you leave it, the harder it is because well, number num- number one, you get used to uh, a salary if you're in a job of some sort, a full time job, and and number two, you just develop responsibilities as time goes on and it just gets harder to make that jump. And also you've, you've sacrificed
0: a larger percentage of your life towards an individual career. And therefore to change that mm. is to, you You basically, you know, a lot of people look at it as, Oh, I've spent the last eight years of my life trying to make it on this corporate ladder or whatever I'm doing mm. to change now to start my own business means I'm going to be sacrificing eight years of, of hard work. And so you have that almost opportunity cost, yeah, exactly right. Uh, yeah, exciting so really, would you say that starting young, if you if if you know business is your thing, start young doesn't mean you have to be successful. I mean, everyone knows that I started that restaurant and that failed pretty quickly.
1: Mm. Um, you have to learn though, and you've got time to recover. And I'm sure the restaurant failed, but you would have taken a lot of lessons out of that that you've then brought into Cub. Hundred percent, and also yeah. Cub, even even if you think about the start of Cub, um, Cub
0: had a very tumultuous kind of first uh, half of life mm. where you know we we were we were running blind we were almost we were walking blind or running blind in that we didn't know where we were going we didn't really know what we were doing we were kind of trying to find out we we're kind of like a kind of like a teenager you know trying to find yourself who am I as yeah, a person yeah. what yeah. You know. and and um, but losing money um which of course he did at the start Mm. Um, wasn't necessarily a concern for me because our cash flows were still fine. It was not like I had to put more money in or none of that. We never had to raise capital. We never have raised capital. Um, so CUB's been fully sustainable on its own right through to profit. And I don't want to ever raise capital. I'd rather hold on to the whole thing myself. Mm. Uh, and, and and that's that's um, just a different strategy. But uh, yeah. that's how I, how I like it. But um, – where was I going with it? Oh, We're my point was I was young, young. So, yeah, yeah. yeah my, so, yeah. But, but not it not working wasn't causing me great deals of stress. You mm. know, if anything, it was causing me great deals of uh, purpose. It was giving me something to focus on other than, um, you doing other dumb shit you do when you're young. I was more like, okay, I want to solve this problem. I want to do this. I want to learn. And, and you think back to your leadership skills when you start a business, mm. and you're like, man, I don't even know how anyone dealt with me, you know, and then, and you picture yourself as you develop through time, you're like, yeah. Hey, you can see how you become a different leader, a different, yeah. a, a different human. And, and really you can't learn those
1: lessons until you start. So actually young is the way to go. Young is the way to go. And look, the, the, the only other thing I'll say is just energy, energy levels. Like we're talking about being fatigued this morning. So, you know, you, you understand the energy and the passion you need to start a business. Trying to kick that off later in life is difficult. And look, I understand people do it because they'll, um, you know, they'll, they'll have other things that are driving them, but you just lose your energy levels as you get older, I feel. Oh, um, 100%. You know, and,
0: yeah. And, and do you think that the resilience that you learned in the financial crisis helped you in COVID? So when when Without you first heard of COVID, when, when COVID first was coming, what went through your mind? Um, how many, roughly how many staff or how big was the team at that point before, uh, before so COVID?
1: We, so we've got around 40 um, staff in <laughs> Australia. you say, oh, a small business. But,
0: um, and it's definitely a medium-sized business. Actually, yeah. you know what constitutes a medium-sized business? Either a revenue of over 2 million okay. or yeah. staff of over 20. Yeah. So once you cross either of those lines, you're, yeah. the government labels you a medium-sized
1: business. Okay. Well, we have, yeah, 40 high 30s or 40 um, in Australia, and we have 11 going on, 12 offshore.
0: But what know, went through – the office. reason I asked it is what went through your mind when you heard, fuck, there's a big financial crisis coming, um, pandemic, whatever, it's the same thing.
1: The first thing I thought about was how do we protect the business? So, And, you know, we had a meeting about it, um, which I think a lot of business owners would have done, but – th- the problem with, with COVID was the unknown. It wasn't a GFC where there was you know no access to credit. There was no one knew where this was going to go. So are we all dying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So for us, it was, um, when I say us, I mean the leadership team and the management team, it was shit, what are we going to do if this happens? And what are we going to do if this happens and let's all agree on it. And what are we going to do to, to make sure we survive, um, and yeah, there's a lot of stories like that around, you know, focus on socials and, and stuff like that. So, but my first thoughts were, I don't know where this is going to turn out um, or how this is going to turn out and how do we protect the business? And in all honesty, how do we protect everyone in the business? And, you know, I'm, I'm not alone. Um, you know, we, we caught up and who could take a pay cut here? Who could take a pay cut there? Who's going to take the biggest pay cut? How do we get everyone through this? Um, without really knowing what it looks like, so I told I told Team Carb. I was like, "Guys, you're getting because we we, we
0: we did a wage reduction straight away. I was thinking, mm. I don't know how long this is going to go. I want to make sure that everyone still has a job at the end, and that means we need to reserve capital. And we also don't know. We got lucky because we started selling during COVID. We learned how to do it, but at the start, we didn't think we were selling shit. So uh, <laughs> my 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 logic to the team was, guys, if you take a twenty, let's say you're taking a twenty percent. Ca- pay cut during yep. COVID, yep. but you're spending 50% less because you can't leave your house. So you yeah, a, you actually got a 30% raise. You're welcome. <laughs> People have
1: got more, more money than they've ever had. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing that with our clients. Um, look, we're, we're extremely lucky that every, our two primary income um, revenue, our two primary revenue streams are recurring revenue. So it's very easy Which for are What, us. what are they? Uh, comes in every month. So if no, some, I know what recurring revenue is. What What are your income? Where does it come from? Mortgages and, yeah. and financial planning. Okay. So if you have a, a a mortgage book, you get a monthly recurring income on that so from the long banks, as Someone has their that's loan. the trail, yeah. yeah. And financial uh, financial planning, you offer an annual service to a client, and you get a monthly fee until they switch that off. So. It's very easy for us to navigate difficult times because we know that we've got a set amount coming in, and then how do we build the business around that? So we're extremely cash flow. Essentially, we've got cash flow. To, we're always going to get by. It's just a matter of what it looks like. So for us, it was a matter of just looking at all these different scenarios and, you know, what's the percentage of upfront revenue versus our recurring revenue? What if it drops? Who takes pay cuts? Um, and then we, yeah, we you basically like, looked at different scenarios.
0: That's similar to, I've spoken yeah. about in the podcast before, we had something similar. We had like a recession plan. If this is how much revenue drops, this is what happens. If yeah. this is how much. And, but, but more, what I really want to know is what was going through your, what, what internal worries were you having? Forget the mm. business, for now. you personally, what was going through your
1: head? Was there panic? Was there, mate? Oh, in all honesty, and, um, I don't want to sound like I'm blowing it off, but I was just never concerned. Mm. Like I just thought everything had sort itself out. (laughs) It always does. It always does. Like, um, whether it's a business, um, issue or whether it's just a life issue, things work themselves out. You've just got to, you've just got to go through it, go through the process. So I was never concerned. Um, my old man actually said to me, he goes, everything's fine. This shit happens
0: all the time. He goes, Put it this way, if the world ends, then who gives a fuck anyway? You yeah, had the world over. <laughs> it doesn't Correct. It doesn't yeah. matter if you have got
1: the business. And, or yeah, fair point. Um, one of the other things that I thought was it's happening to everyone, not just me. Yeah. So it's not like I'm this person that's had this bad uh this bad luck and I'm never gonna get through it. Everyone else is going through the same thing. So as long as we're all going through it, we're all still gonna be Yeah. The same. You'll still maintain your position in the hierarchy of the. Uh, we'll still be okay. Of the, yeah, because it's the happening. Competition. It's, it's happening to the next door neighbour. It's happening to the person yeah. across the road. It's, so an it's an even playing field. Even playing field. That's a really good way it's to explain an even it. Playing field. I was just never really concerned. The, the, the only thing I was concerned about is, um, like, how long is it going to go on? Because it, it was just Cause it's know, slowing down your goals and targets. Well, role. and I thought, like yeah. when it first happened, um, I remember reading, was uh, reading the AFR or something about this thing in China, and you probably remember they had that guy laying on the uh, concrete at the front <laughs> of that shop who apparently had passed away. <laughs> no, and it was just – it was so distant, right? And it was – because it was over there, it was never going to affect us. Mm. And then when it came here, I was like, well, this will be two or three months and this will blow over. Mm. So, yeah, look, I, I I was just annoyed more than anything um, as, as it went on about the way we were having to live and, you know, the things that we weren't allowed to do. So, yeah, I was, I was more annoyed than anything. Yeah, um, I, I can definitely – I can definitely relate to that. You guys cop. I mean, actually,
0: you know what? What was it like? Were you in Melbourne, or did you go to? Did you go to
1: the your farm? Stayed in Melbourne. Stayed. Yeah. What, what was yeah. that like?
0: What? How did the um, lockdown affect you? Uh,
1: look, mentally, I, I was okay. I was okay. Look, we live in a pretty good area, so we've got the beach reasonably close. Whereabouts um, are you? We're in Port Melbourne, okay. so you know, five k radius for us, we could go walk the Albert Park Lake, uh, Albert Park Lake. Uh, we could go walk down the beach. We could go for a swim. So you um, were able
0: to get out of the house in Melbourne still? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. not too You had
1: to be exercising. Okay. For an hour. Tops. Okay. Oh, if so you walked down to Brighton, it was like a normal Sunday. So you didn't have the most horrific lockdown experience? Me, personally, no. I, I, I feel sorry for people that were maybe out in the suburbs who 5K radius. There's not much. That, that would affect them more, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But um, people with kids, I think I was lucky I didn't have kids. That's Can you true. Imagine trying to homeschool kids. Yeah, yeah. Or imagine <laughs> just having
0: to be with them all the time. <laughs> I'll be like, "Look, guys, there's a five k radius. Go play. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you in an hour." <laughs> yeah. And so, what's something that? I mean, that um, what's something you learned through COVID that you've now implemented into your, in into the business that you? That, what, what's a benefit that's come out of COVID for you?
1: Um, for us, efficiencies. Mainly for our sales team. So, the the traditional way of doing a mortgage is to either go and see a client, and same with financial planning. Um, The the switch to digital um, and video conferencing has been absolutely huge. Because you can fit more
0: sales meetings in the day.
1: So many more. So you know, if you picture being a uh, one of our mortgage brokers who's got to do a an appointment that's thirty k's away from the office, you know, and people generally would want to see them after hours or at least early in the evening. So you're driving there, you're doing the appointment, you're driving back, you've lost half a day. So our clients becoming comfortable with Zoom has been a game changer. Wow. Because you might see someone initially face-to-face to to get uh, the relationship, but after that, everything's Zoom. Um, So that's probably been the biggest, well, that's the best thing that's happened to our business. Yeah, and obviously your business
0: is all still intact, but a lot of your competition are not. And you've got this new weapon that you can – yeah, it's like in, it's like uh, discovering the machine gun. Yep, you know, yep. You, you've got this new weapon that you can basically hit so many more people with mm. in, in a much quicker rate. <laughs> Speaking about client sack like, war is probably not the way to go, but yep. you get the you get the yep. image, and there's less competition. Therefore, you're yep. going to have, you, ideally, you'd have a huge expansion uh, in in, the, in in the next few years.
1: Yeah, and we're seeing it now. And uh, I think what COVID did in our industry is um, there was most businesses stayed reasonably busy. But I think older people in the business just went enough's enough. So, you know, if they, if they were thinking about getting out of the business, um, you know, there's some other things happening our, in our industry around, um, around regulations and mm. compliance and whatnot. So that coupled with COVID, just some people that were close to making the decision to, to, to finish up, they did that because um, it's all, all just getting a little bit too hard. So. And what would you say this is something that you do in your business exceptionally well that other people should – Um, well, delegate. So delegations, something that I've learned to do and was definitely something that changed the game for our business and, and also bringing in experts, um, that have experience in things that I don't or areas that I don't. Um, so to explain that to you, um, Jordan Morrison, who's our general manager, uh, he's been with us now for somewhere between seven and eight years. Uh, he came into the business as a um, as just a loan administration uh, person and he was, I think, maybe 19 or 20 when he started. He's gone from from there to general manager within within seven years because he just bought such a skill set that I didn't have, mainly around tech. Um, and, you know, he would continuously come to me with new ideas around, you know, this is how you're doing the process. You should probably do it this way. So delegation and learning to trust other people and understanding the skill set that they bring that you don't have. And particularly when you're a small business owner and you've started the business, a lot of business owners struggle to do that because they, they think they know, they know everything, but they, they struggle to, to make a change or try something different because it's not how they do things. And
0: I also think that a lot of the struggle is having to trust someone else to do it the way that you feel that you would do it. and, and way it's and, always worked and, in exact, your eyes. Exactly right. and, and, I mean, delegation is something that everyone talks about, delegation, delegation, but, but to dive into it deeper, you almost have different stages of delegation evolution through your business growth, so long as your business is growing and your yep. business probably won't grow without it either. So Absolutely it goes hand in way. hand with expansion yeah. of your business, but you know, you start the business with you and one or two others, you're across, you're doing everything important, you're across mm-hmm. everything that's going on, you get to maybe 10 people. You're not doing everything, but you're still across everything that's going on. You still know what's happening on a daily Mm. basis with each person. As you move towards that 20 people kind of mark, suddenly you don't know what's going on with everyone. You're not across everything daily. You are only seeing things in like a weekly meeting for each department or or you get your report daily or whatever you get it. And you kind of get further and further and further and further and further. (laughs) <laughs> away from I like the effect, it was, it was good. yeah. The sound good in the headphones, yeah, yeah. yeah. Try it hard. Um, you get further away from the actual operation yep. of the business, and there's almost like a you know, each stage of that increased delegation becomes harder, and and it, not just that, but as you're um, leadership team grows and you're you're getting heads of departments to 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 run things. They they even start delegating, and so all you're doing is speaking yeah. to them. Yeah. And it becomes you know, and and the point I'm trying to make is that you need to delegate in order to expand. But delegating is so hard. In theory, oh, it's easy. Oh, I trust my staff to do that. But it's yeah. just not the case. It's like you love your company. You want to yeah, you yeah. want
1: to know what's going on. Yeah. And look, what what, what was particularly hard for for our business. Um, so, so talking about the, the general manager, the first, um, the first thing I had to delegate was to get away from being the revenue generator. That was difficult because it's not, it's not just, oh, you know, everything. It's like, well, if I don't, if money doesn't come in, there's no business, right? So the hardest thing, um, for me was moving away from generating revenue and trusting someone else in the business to bring it in. Um, that was the same as me. In fact, I signed you up. You did. <laughs> right. But, but it makes no sense for you to do that moving forward because you can't scale like that. Of course. And, you know, we've now got a team of 20 mortgage brokers and it's like, I can't manage these guys. I don't have time. So we've brought in a sales manager and he completely runs a sales team um, and just comes, comes to me on a monthly basis or a weekly basis. Um, Jordan, the general manager, is now delegating. Exactly like you said, there's an admin team underneath Jordan and there's a leader of that admin team that Jordan now delegates to. So we're seeing the the business evolve real, really quickly. Um, yeah, but, but how do you – the point is, I mean, it
0: sounds like it makes oh, – I haven't got time for them. I'm going to hire this person. Mm-hmm. And that is what happens. But but I think emotionally as the entrepreneur, there's something deeper happening in you where you're – and I reckon some people would suffer from it more than others, um, where it's kind of like um, – I'm, I'm becoming more and more detached. So I like it in one hand because I have more yeah. time to focus on things that I actually enjoy doing. Yep. But on the other hand, you're feeling like, um, are people doing it the right way? Is it, what's yeah. that, you know? It, it's yeah. that it's that it's that thing, and and people need to overcome that, yeah. in order to do. And part of overcoming that would be finding people you trust, the right people. Oh, well,
1: that's 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 all it is for me. It's, and it's how do you do that? Um, blessed, lucky. Like, like at the, at the end of the day, Jordan came in for a job and I gave him a job. But I I knew straight away within a year that I knew exactly the person that he was going to be and the performer that he was going to be. And I was okay with it. And I think, I think I mentioned in in those nights, but you just know in your gut, like if you have someone good come into your life or into your business, you just know in your gut if they're a good person and if they're going to be good at whether it's a job or whether it's. something completely different to a job but you just know that's for me I just I I I think that's a really honest answer because
0: you can't it's very hard to have I think that's a really honest answer because I never met anyone that has a foolproof system towards finding people you know, towards placing great you hear the recruitment companies talk about oh personality tests and all mm. this type of thing but it means nothing like the, the mm-hmm. person gets there and mm. you know, they're either good or they're not and, yep. and a large part it is to do with luck yep. um, and maybe you can increase your odds of finding yep. like-minded people or suited yep. people with common values to your, or cultures to your team. yeah yep. but a large part of it is luck and and, and more than luck is time. Like how long would you say – we actually had this conversation maybe three years ago. I can't remember. It would have been ages ago. But how long would you say it took for you Yeah. to have what you would call your core team, your foundation team in, in your company?
1: It's only happened in the last 12 months. Yeah. See, that's crazy. Yep.
0: And and actually the last time I asked you this was three years ago yep. and you said around your seventh year. Yep. No, which
1: I, I'd say now um, with – well, the latest um, – uh, change was the sales manager and having him come into the business, um, and now coming in as a business owner, which I'm happy to say, we've now got this team that we just think is unbeatable and that that's not, there's no way that we're not going to start to dominate the industry. That's, that's the way we think. And mm. looking back now without him, well, we didn't have the perfect team. So that's you know, 14 years but in. That mentality is golden. Like mm. acting Actually, what
0: gave Cub that more than anything ever was COVID. Yep. We, we, yep. When Cub got COVID. Yep. Uh Mentally. Yeah. It was like a killer instinct. It was. It was the entire team proved. Yep. That, and don't forget, we're in a space that we we weren't able to do what we're supposed to do, which is bring people together. Yeah. Right. So we very well should have died. Yeah. If we were if we were uh, in the jungle and we were an animal, we would. Like a real messed up zebra that couldn't, like, yeah. didn't know if it was had stripes or spots. It was, it was, it didn't, it was confused. Animals going to take it out, but, but somehow, we, <laughs> I don't know where I went with that, but somehow we, um, we thrived in it. And mm. now the team's finished, and mm. everyone's like, we can't lose. This is a winning team. I'm on yep. a winning team, and, and people need to feel that they're joining yep. a winning team. And yep. when it's a winning team, everyone works harder. Yep. And when one person stops working or doesn't work that hard, or you, you you can feel that their heart's not in it, the mm-hmm. whole team starts telling you the the, yep. the entrepreneur, yep. hey, um, this person's doing this and this person, you know, yep. and and they're not dobbing, they're yep. just they they're saying this person may not be yep. here for the reason we're here, yep. and they yep. may not fit, which is completely fine as well, you know. So yeah, so you that, that I love that 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 we can't not we, there's no chance we're not going to win.
1: Exactly right. You
0: know, we That's, are going to win, and it's it's a fact.
1: We and we say those words exactly. Um, so, it's you know, Covid, as bad as it was, has been great for culture, and has been great um, to understand who's who in your business. You know, so so for us, we've got a really good understanding now of who does what in our business, and um, how we're going to get to that next level. Because you know, p- particularly the management team. We all rely on each other so much and we all have so much confidence in each other now um, that we may or may not – look, we probably would have had whether COVID was here or not, but COVID really, really strengthened that relationship between the management team. I can tell you now for us, there is no – absolutely no – chance where we
0: are now would have taken as a team, as a business model and as a brand would have taken an additional five years. Without COVID, that's how much I believe COVID accelerated. Yeah. Like, okay. And yep. also, sorry, one thing we didn't mention was as a leader, yep. yourself yeah. having having to have sustained the the unknown and worked through that, and to mm. have given your energy to your team and and made sure that the energy was high and that they weren't worried about uh, losing their jobs or whatever that people worried about. A whole bunch of things at that yep. point in time. Yep you know, and, and giving others your energy as
1: a leader, that's, that's, that's training for the next big thing, which there will be, you know. Yeah. And, and, and it's, that's happened with our admin staff too, because COVID was so stressful for them. Um, you know, they, they weren't necessarily worried about losing their job, but it was difficult. Um, it got difficult to do business. Uh, we're actually extremely busy, um, from, from a, um, inquiry point of view with things that were happening. People were refinancing, is that right? Refinancing. Uh, calling up to pause their repayments. Um, On the financial planning side, most people lost 30% in their super over a month. Um, So, you know, there was a lot of stress. And and now that we've come through it, you can just see there's a resilience amongst the admin staff as well. Um, You know, we bound together, we got through it. And it's like everyone's got this new lease on life. Um, It's like when a nation goes to war.
0: You know, they become more patriotic. Yeah, they love their country. They they yeah. love their people. We fought something together, and we've yeah. you know we've we've gone through that. It's 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 a it's a beautiful thing.
1: And I think I think growth will accelerate now because almost you're disgruntled about last year. You know, we should have done this. We should have done this. We we still grew, but imagine what we can do now. You know, we've been sitting at home for six months or however long it was. There's just this different level of motivation at the moment. In and and, and just speaking about growth how
0: do you guys, what's your marketing strategy? Do you do, you do a lot of referral partners? Do you have yep. kind of social marketing or what do you
1: focus on? So tr- traditionally our business has always been referral partners. So, so we've got given, we've got a, I guess an army of brokers, um, we, we can plug into, to real estate groups or, um, medium sized builders, um, accountants, for example. So, uh, you know, we, we we work with a um, with a real estate group in Melbourne who's got 75 franchises um, around VIC. So that's traditionally where our business has come from. Now we're moving digital. Um, we um, we have a big focus on SEO. Uh, through another Cub member. Who's um, that? Mr. Stanley. Jacob Stanley. It's yeah, his birthday yeah. today. It's a really. Happy birthday, Jacob. I'm just about to text you after this podcast. He's also a client of mine. So thank you for that. But he would awesome. have got an email from me anyway saying happy birthday. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, digital is a big play for us now because um, it's, you know, it's. Um, Wait, it's I just do want to mention business.
0: Jacob Stanley is the CEO of Studio Hawk and award winning SEO. Uh, Agency, They're one of the best SEO companies in the country. Highly recommend. Just to uh, give them a quick
1: plug, Um, we had tried SEO before and just walked away confused. Uh, We had three, at the time, completely different quotes and completely different strategies. Um, I just said to Jordan, it's all too hard. How how can you have such discrepancies? Um, But then met Jacob and, yeah, they've just been brilliant and we're getting really good traction. We only started – Last October, I believe, Um, we're aiming for one one new online lead per day, Uh, and and we're beating that at the moment. Sort of, it's only February. Incredible, yeah. So little success, Jacob. Little success story,
0: and and, but I want to talk about the referral partners because that's something your industry does really well, and and um, it's something that actually Cub doesn't doesn't have a referral partners other than our members, but but even that we do quite poorly. Yeah. um, how does one go about creating that a referral partnership kind of program?
1: Well, you, you have to you have to complement their service. So, real estate agents is an obvious one. Um, you can't get a loan if you can't get a loan. You can't get a house mm-hmm. for most people. Um, so, for us, what we do really well, and I've been working with agents for thirteen years. Is understanding how we fit into their sales process, and you know, understanding how how we can help them. So, to give you an idea, most people would assume that um, you go and see a real estate agent, and if you wanted to buy a house, then the real estate agent would send you to the mortgage broker to get a loan. You don't really get any business that way because most people now they know what they can borrow, they've got a pre-approval, uh, they go to the agent to buy a product because they've seen it on real They don't then need a broker. Mm. But where, where we go in is with your vendors. So, you know, Daniel wants to sell his house in Potts Point. Um, he thinks it's worth 1.5. He goes to the agent and the agent says, you know, I might get 1.3 to 1.6 for it. You know? Um, so then you need to know what that next step looks like. So then the agent would refer you to a mortgage broker to understand what is the next, what am I buying next? What are you buying next? Because generally the agent's your first point of call, what's my house worth? So. Um, I guess where I was going with that is we actually help them with their listing. So you come see myself or one of our brokers, you've got a good understanding of what the next step looks like. So then you go and list with the agent and put your property on the market. So it's understanding how you can complement them. Um, and also, would you say probably the most important part is just having a good
0: relationship with them, having a good net, just really having a good relationship with the, with the head of that business. It's,
1: it's all about that. And the, um, you know, we might. I might have a relationship with the directors of, um, of the franchise group, but I don't have a relationship with all of the agents on the ground. So one of the things that we do with our mortgage brokers is we would uh, put them on maybe one or two offices and they need to have a presence in that business. So when I say presence, you have a desk in there because I might be up here with the directors, but it's the salespeople that we need to be speaking to. So, we almost sort of infiltrate their business, um, for lack of a better phrase, and make make our people part of their team. And
0: you're just making them front of mind, and you're also making them friends. It's front people, of mind, yeah. People do yeah. business with people that they like. They're exactly. their friends. People that they, yeah, they have a laugh. If they they're together all the time. I'm thinking about you all the time. Every time uh, yeah. I'm uh, listing a new house, well, guess who I'm going to give the thing to? It's it's yeah. it's figuring out how to be present. Yeah. Um. In cub to ter- in cub terms, it would be. Like us discovering how to be, pr- which actually we've recently done, but we haven't pushed yet. Be always present with the members so that when they meet someone or they see someone or someone calls them that they think, oh, that person's a great would be a great club member. Yep. They can instantly refer, and that's why in the app now. Yep. And that we, have you downloaded the app? Downloaded it. Okay, good. I need to get my head around get, it. Get your head on it. It's going to change your life. I promise you. Um, um, not yet, but in July when the networking features launch in it, it's basically going to put the entire it is going to put the power of the club in your hand you can be able to leverage the entire community it's it's going to be next level but awesome. but um my goal is to make it the most uh, valuable app that every australian entrepreneur has in their pocket i like that on their phone yeah who's
1: your biggest competitor well, oh, well,
0: we don't necessarily we're in a funny we're in a funny space i mean the biggest competitor you could you would argue is linkedin but that's not really what we're doing and it's not what we do it, it's it, we're in a funny space because like who's cubs biggest competitor you know you could probably rattle off some similar kind of things but none that kind of do what we do it, it's a very it's a it, it's a very funny space so yeah. and honestly in all honesty we don't know yet because we haven't done it and you only figure something out mm. i believe it's worked for me in the past just start yeah. Once you started, you'll yeah. figure out what people are like. Oh, members yeah. are saying they want more of this. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't start and you try to desi- over-design, mm. you end up with something you've over-committed for. It might not be ideal. probably cost you more to change. Yep. So yep. I, I really believe that we won't have a real handle on it until this time next year. So yep. after six months of use with the members, yep. obviously yep. they're already using it now. It just hasn't got the networking features on it. But after six months of seeing how it's used – Members' feedback, um, new ideas, and, and and that type of thing. I think we'll have a great handle on it, and and where we would position it. Yeah. Um, um, but but really, imagine being a, an entrepreneur, and have and just having the comfort of knowing that you've got all these other accomplished entrepreneurs ready to rock, ready to support you in your pocket at all times, no matter what emergencies, um, little things, big things, whatever it is, you've got. You've got your – you've got a group of people there that under, that are in the same position as you, that understand what you're going through, they've been through the same things and that you can reach out to for anything. It's
1: huge. It's yeah. huge. And look, you know, coming from from my own experience, I, I did not have that. You know, we we just worked it out as we went along. Um, obviously, we got to where we got to but having someone there who had been through – and look, probably skipping ahead here but that's the whole reason I joined Cub. I wanted people – I wanted to meet people that were maybe two or three steps ahead of where I was. Um, you know, that's that's definitely where I've got the most value out of it. And and I mean, what I'm describing now, I'm describing it digitally, but you, you
0: actually achieved that in person with the advisory board that you put together.
1: Yeah. So we've just put together our advisory board. We had our first meeting late last year. Um, we're aiming for three members um, plus, plus a couple from the business. At the moment we have two and they're, they're both CUB members and they're both people that I met through CUB. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both friends and very much mentors. Um, so, yeah. You see that? It's CUB members there to help each other elevate, to, to grow. Whether they be CUB members or
0: not, just having the ability to have people, other entrepreneurs there, accomplished yeah. entrepreneurs there to help you to push yeah. each other forwards, yeah. it's something that often your family may not – you don't want to stress them out with it. Something your friends may not be able to relate to. It's something that you don't want to sh- stress the staff out with. Mm. You need that connection with other entrepreneurs and other accomplished entrepreneurs because yeah. there's so few. Exactly right. Yeah. So few, and that's that's, yeah. so that's what we're trying to push. It's so a fucking download the thing. I'm downloading. <laughs> oh, those, you get <laughs> my head around it. <laughs> um, and what? So referral partners is something you've done super well.
1: Yeah, and just just to, the the other thing I was going to say about that is. You nailed it. You need to become friends with these people, and you know you don't you, you don't go in. Oh, I'm going to be friends with that person because I want to get business out of them. It's you work with who you think you can work with, and do you enjoy spending your time with? Exactly right. And then what happens then is people want to help you, so they actually want to see you succeed. So if so, if you're in business with someone that you like, and and there's a relationship that's outside of business course, they're going to try and build your business for you because they want to see you succeed because they like you. So. Yeah, because you're friends. It, it's basically the fundamental value of Cub. You you do you you want
0: to help people that you like. Exactly right. Yeah, you you're friends with someone. Yeah. You're going to go out of your way to help. Them. Exactly right. And and that's yeah. see that's really cool. So when building rent when building a referral partner program, one of the most important things you can do is obviously finding companies with cultures similar to yours,
1: but mm. being present and allowing your team to gel with their team. You have to be present. If you're not present and it's not someone that's part of the team, like you can't have, oh, that's John Smith, the finance guy that comes in once a month and asks us for a lead. No, that's our finance guy, John. He's here all the time. Yeah, you've got to be part of the team. Or often doesn't have to work there full or, time, but often he's, he's We say on. like a day a week or yeah. You know, you've got often. to be in the sales meetings. Um, yeah, you know, in the sales meetings. And I'm I'm um, I'm zoning in on real estate now, but in the sales meetings educating real estate agents on what, what what have we found that week in in our game because they need to know. Um, So, yeah, and that works really, really well. Really good lesson. I like that. Be present
0: and there. make your team like their team and vice versa. Yep. And um, do you – so you mentioned that you have a few revenue streams. You've got yep. um, uh, obviously mortgage
1: brokering, financial planning. Yeah. Uh, are there any others? Asset finance, car finance, which is – Uh, We don't do enough of that, but it's definitely one of our big growth opportunities at the moment. And so what's the
0: thinking around providing more than one service? Is it just to simply generate more revenue or is it –
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, always. Um, that should always be there. That yeah. should never
0: be something. I saw your face. A lot of people do that. that should never be something that's yeah that's not said. Yeah, you're in business to yeah. earn some cash for you, yep. your family, yep. your team, and your team's family. So you yep. are there to produce cash. And if you produce enough, if you run a great business that delivers great value to society, you'll produce a lot of cash. So this should, you should be proud about producing cash.
1: Yeah. So so look, it's. Obviously revenue. The, the second thing for us is just having sticky clients and that then um, increasing the value of your business. And um, I think um, banks have done it very well in the past. Banks caught share of wallet. So, you know, what, what share of that person's wallet do you have? I've so, never heard of that. That's really interesting. Yeah, so <clears throat> if you've got them for financial planning, if you've got them for mortgages, if you've got them for car finance – they're just not really ever going to leave you. There's there's never going to be a situation where they go see a financial planner and then that financial planner says, come see our mortgage person. Well, that doesn't happen because they don't go outside of our business. So for us, it's revenue streams that complement each other. Um, they're all related to some degree. If you see a mortgage broker, you then need to make sure um, that you've got um, the right income protection. That then will lead into a financial planner who then looks at superannuation and, um, there's stats, and I'm not even going to, I'm probably going to butcher this, but some crazy stat that sixty percent of people uh, upgrade their car three months after buying a new house. It's something like that. Yeah, I can imagine that because new house, new garage, new car can't mm. have the old car and the new garage. So just looking at um, revenue streams that complement each other, um,
0: but I think what's more important about that, yeah, there's the complementing each other thing, but i I kind of like what's what's more important is the you I think you said sticky. Like you you become more sticky to your clients. It's less likely a client's going to ever leave you if they've got more things, if they're reliant on you for more things. So almost we could call it it a client reliance. They rely on you for more than just one thing. So by sacrificing the relationship with you, they're therefore losing multiple valuable things in their life rather than just one.
1: Yep. Yep. And, And the biggest thing is, and you spoke about this with Mark Burris, was how do you get a strategic valuation on your business? So how do we separate ourselves from a normal financial planner or a normal mortgage broker? You know, multiple revenue streams are what's going to get us a strategic valuation on our business. Mm. Um, With sticky clients that that, that don't uh, leave, whether yeah. it be through pandemics or recessions. Yeah. Why is my business more than the mortgage broker down the road? Mm. Um, a stickier client that's producing three to four revenue streams instead of one, which means you're going to get that strategic valuation.
0: I like that. Client reliance. The, rel- the client should be more reliant on you for, for, for more things. And, mm. and I guess the only danger that you go into there is by, you know, having an additional thing, it is taking attention away from the other. So you need, need to do that slowly over time um, and be careful.
1: Yeah, but it comes back to the delegation and and bringing experts in. So my background was mortgage broking, um, financial planning. I, b- I brought someone in who was already an expert. And again, it was someone that I trusted, I had a gut feel about, um, who is now a business partner in that um, in that business. Um, they run separate P L's. So for me, I, I knew I couldn't go and set a more a financial planning business up. I could, I knew the business fundamentals, but I, I didn't really know. But you found a partner do. who does that. found someone who knew what they were doing and brought them into the business. Um, kind of like if it was, if it
0: was, uh, so let's say if Cub wanted to service a different market, so we, let's say we wanted to serve startups. Yeah. We, we currently we currently can't. Our current resources go towards networking for accomplished entrepreneurs. We don't really do the startup thing. But we could because we have a lot of startup attention and yeah. we have a lot of people write to us um, yeah. every week. So instead of us just adding startups to our current team, Things we, we'd go find someone who's from that space, understands startups, does events yeah. for them of some sort, yeah. bring them on. It might even give them a great deal where, hey, look, you get a percentage of the profits from this. This is a business. This is not Cub. Yeah. This is a separate business. Yeah. Yeah. Works alongside Cub. Exactly right. And give them a little percentage of that so that they ha- they, they own it. They, they, they're they going to grow that. They're going to run that. You don't have to. You just work with them in the background to help them. It's kind of what you've done.
1: Exactly right. And, and and someone, um maybe they're starved of opportunity. Maybe they're – you know, you think about someone who's been in a business for four or five years, particularly now with the younger generation. They're always looking for that next step. They're a bunch of greedy little fucks, aren't they? Sort of. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but um, <laughs> but, but you know, you, you'll Cloris find someone creedies, who's you'll find someone who's really good who's starved, uh, not so much starved of opportunity, but wants to go on that next step. And you say, you know what? There's someone who I don't really need to worry about. They're going to do everything that I need to do, mm. but I'm going to give them a better opportunity, whether it's profit share or share in the business. I'm happy to do that because I wouldn't have had that revenue stream. 100%. And, and what I like, yeah,
0: I'll get – 8. if there's 100%, they take 20, I still get 80% of something I wasn't going to get in the first place. That's right. And what I like about the young generation is because they're so ambitious, probably because they look at nice things all day on Instagram and social like. media. You are the young generation. <laughs> okay. just, just want to clarify uh, Oh, we're almost the same age. How old are you now? 38. Oh, no, we're not the same age. No, we're not. No. Yeah. But, um, but How old um, are you? 28. So 10 years, which which kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense because I look older than you, though. Your hairline's better. You, oh, oh, God, I'm not aging well. <laughs> but but um, what was I talking about? It was young uh, people. What I like about young people. Young people. What I like about them is that because they're so ambitious, they're so hungry, the world, they, they see the world and all the beautiful things in it. That, yeah, okay, a lot of them are lazy, want the dream job, but want to get paid a million bucks a year. But there's some of them who are not stupid hmm. and who understand that, to have great things involves hard work and really appreciate the opportunity to work, you know, with someone that they look up to, with someone that they, that, you know, the op- opportunity to build something for themselves and to be proud of that. And those are the gold mine people because yeah. they, they, they 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 build something for you, with not for you, with you. And you make it possible for each other because you make it possible for them by giving them the infrastructure, the guidance, the resource, the, mm. maybe marketing, whatever it is. But they make it possible
1: for you because you haven't got the time and energy to do it yourself. Exactly From right. And and, and and they bring in a skill set that you don't have. And um, I mentioned Jordi, uh, Jordi earlier, but um, tech. Like I'm not up to date with the new tech and there's no point in me thinking I'm, you know, I'm going to be as good as he's going to be. Just as the next person that comes through is going to be better than him. Um, the other thing I've found with younger people is is just more of a reliance on values and culture um, or more of a um, – less of a, um, a focus on money. So like, the, the young people coming through our business, of course they're hungry and they want to earn more, more money but most of the people my age and in my demographic, um, they just, they just want to earn money and they want to earn heaps more and they don't care how they get there. Um, I found with the younger people in our business, um, they do value culture, um, a, a lot more than, than say, not going to say more than the older people in our business, but that's definitely something I've noticed. No, the difference is, so the young people do, uh, the young people are happy to feel like
0: they're improving, mm. right? They're happy to feel, I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm mm. becoming a more sufficient, self-sufficient, independent person by being here. Yeah. That's the priority, but w- the older team get. The more personal responsibilities they have, someone that's thirty-eight is probably been married with a couple of kids that they need to earn. They don't give a fuck about culture. True. Culture, I don't care about culture. I need to get paid so my kid goes to school and and um, and my wife whatever she needs, um, yeah. or my husband whatever he needs. Um, but but so so their their responsibilities change. The older yeah. someone gets, yeah. the more they cost. True. Yeah, yeah. because they co- their personal costs go, go up. up. There's something to yeah. something to kind of think about there's another yeah um anyway do you have a book recommendation that you want to because we have got to wrap up soon do you you Uh, have have a book recommendation that you you have or
1: yeah well a lot of people probably read it but shoe dog by phil knight yeah i read that creator of nike incredible book what did you take from that oh just resilience yeah that's what i took from it too what a weapon like and if you ever like one of my favorite quotes is from that book um or but if you just google shoe dog quotes You'll be there for an hour just reading some of the stuff that, really? he, that, that, that he wrote in that book. Um, so yeah, just just his resilience, you know, going to Japan at such a young age, um, getting his dad to invest. Like it's just this constant story of struggle. Constant um, failure. That's yeah, what I took from him. Yeah, it. He was yeah just, and he made it work. Was, yeah, it was constantly
0: shit for him. Yeah. His, his entrepreneurial journey was garbage, yeah. but he didn't quit. And that mm. was the difference between him and… And yeah. Imagine how many others that would have attempted yeah. that. Yeah. You know what other book? That's what I took from that. Another book that gave me that was the Elon Musk book. Have you read I that? I've read that. It's the same thing, you, really. Yeah, but this guy's blowing up rockets, and I'm yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. That would yeah, be yeah. that would be expensive. But yeah. I took the same thing from the Musk book. It's like these guys don't don't quit, and yeah, and um, there's a lot of statistics that say business is primarily a, a survival thing. It's mm. how long you can. Last as a business, yeah. how long can you get your business to be alive? And the longer it is alive, the 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 more success, the higher your odds are of, of exactly of right. Doing you just need, amazing things
1: need to survive. And look, the most um, fascinating thing about Shoe Dog is just also the time and the era. Some of the things he was doing, as in traveling overseas in that era, makes it even more incredible. If it, if it happened now, it's very easy for someone to jump on a plane and go to Japan and, and do what you need to do. But back then, it was a different It was organ. a big
0: deal. You wouldn't even know where Japan is, what it was, what it looked like. Imagine yeah. now you can look it up on uh, the internet and on Instagram. But back then, imagine getting yeah. to Japan. It'd be like a new world. Yep. And, and a favorite quote. Yeah, some of your quotes you had were, were really cool. They're all out of that book. Oh, is that where you got it from? Yeah, yeah,
1: The yeah. one I liked was when, you're, when you see only problems you're not seeing clearly. It's just a cooler spin on there's no problems, only solutions, right? I love that too. That, that sounds way better. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I really relate to that quote yeah. because
0: when you see – it's like people, when you ask them to do shit, they always got excuses. You mm. know that person's a loser. You're yeah. going to fail. You're going to lose because everything that, you know, oh, I do not go to the gym because of this. Oh, I didn't uh, make that sale because – it, it, it's just excuses. Mm. What you want to look for in people yeah. is people who don't see problems, they, they look yeah. for solutions. Yeah. They're looking the right. Exactly right. Direction. I really yeah. love that quote. Yeah. Awesome. And and cool. um, <clears throat> if people want to uh, uh, reach out to Nick, members, not members, we don't care if you're a listener. You are a legend and we love you. Um, but you can, um, um, I guess, touch base with Nick from Cub's website, our podcast website, which is cub.club forward slash
1: podcast. You can go to his website, which is? Uh, www.innovate.com.au, which is spelled I-N-O-V-A-Y-T. Awesome. And if you are the owner of what type of business should reach out to you? Um, Anyone at the moment. A bit more fucking specific than (laughs) that. No, no, no. What I'm saying by that is like one of the big areas we're seeing take off in finance at the moment is um, short-term lending for small businesses. Um, So, you know, you're seeing a lot of advertising businesses like Prosper, SpotCap um, because banks have just shut the doors on that stuff. So, you know, if you're a cafe owner and you want to renovate, if you're a a hairdresser and you want to open another salon – It's very difficult to get that money at the moment. So um, these small short-term lenders. um, So you're doing that? We do a lot of that. And and, and what about good referral partners for you that
0: should reach out? Real estate groups or accountants or builders. Real estate groups, accountants, builders. Nick is one of my uh, great friends that I've met through Cub. Cub has worked uh, for me, like it works for members, and, and there's people you meet in 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 the club and in the network that you connect with very closely because I don't know you relate to them or whatever reasons it is that you like people. But me and Nick have become great friends, um, and he's always supported me. And I highly recommend reaching out to Nick to partner or for anything. He's an awesome guy. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Hope you enjoy the show.